From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Well, yes, Mr. Rob Rube, thank you very much. It's me, Mike, Mike Davidson. This is Mike Davidson Lives. Thank you for listening to the podcast, downloading all that fun stuff, hanging out with me for about half an hour as I go through a few things here and there as we have officially entered summer. It is now official. The first day was Wednesday, and that means we can all enjoy a nice long season of being indoors and in the air conditioning. Okay, yeah, there might be some summer trips and grilling and uh, all that fun stuff, but let us not forget about air conditioning as uh, we damn near hit 90 here, Northeast Indiana today. Yeah, um, but the nice thing about being in air conditioning is, well, it's not daytime television. It's the fact that you can kick back and enjoy a book, and my wife and I, each have been reading big old books, and I'm about a third of the way done with what I've chosen to read this summer. Um, I used to have all three of the Lord of the Ring books, uh, gave those away, but my wife's got a, a collected version of all three in a big old book. Just got done uh, reading uh, Fellowship of the Ring, uh, going to start Two Towers soon, and of course, uh, Return of the King is what wraps up the trilogy. Yeah, I've read the the first two books before. Got halfway through Return of the King, never finished, and I couldn't tell you why I didn't finish. Other than you know, I am distracted very easily, and uh, yeah, there might be some laziness involved. But yeah, I, I knocked out uh, knocked out the Fellowship here in about uh, two or three weeks' times, which which is not bad. Uh, considering all the uh, the poems and the elf language and the locations and the characters I have to you know kind of follow, it's it's a task in itself. Not going to lie, um, I did have trouble trying to read it a few nights back. I mean, I finished it last night. I finished the fellowship last night, but uh, I got two or three pages into it uh, a couple nights ago and I was just drowsy. I was just yeah, it's, it's been a rough week at work and I was just tired so I thought okay, you know, just uh, make myself a little boost, a little pick me up. So I brewed myself a cup of coffee and it just wasn't working. And I just thought okay, whatever and I'm holding the cup of coffee and I start to doze and I wake up to the soothing feeling of hot coffee being spilled all over my lap and I'm wearing nothing but gym shorts. Yeah, it, uh, there's nothing more panic-inducing than having your uh, your scrotum scalded by coffee. I don't think anything was seriously burnt, but it was definitely a wake-up call, so to speak. So when you're drowsy, don't drink coffee. If you plan on staying up late, drink some coffee before you get tired and let it work its magic. It seems to be the safer way to go. Uh, you know, you don't get uh, you don't get maimed as much, is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, sad to read this, um, but uh, thoughts and prayers go out to uh, Jack Hanna's family. He's still with us, technically speaking, for now. Uh, Jack Hanna, a famous uh, curator, famous zoo director from the Columbus Zoo, would be on a bunch of news programs and uh, late night shows. Uh, anytime he was on the late show with Dave Letterman, he brought on a whatever critter. It was always funny. It was always funny and entertaining. Uh, unfortunately, a few years back, he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and I guess he's now in the advanced stages. Um, his wife was talking about uh, how like he can still kind of recognize her 
their daughter and their dog and that's about it he doesn't remember anything about his life really and it's it's sad to think about because you know when you have the gig that when you had the gig when he had the gig he had uh it was kind of a big deal and now it's just it's it, it kind of reminds me of that uh, quote of uh, at the end of blade runner like tears in the rain like it just it's gone and it's certainly heartbreaking for his family so it, and of course if you're dealing with that with someone in your family of course we're well, we send our condolences to you as well. It's just, I, I couldn't imagine. I think the more scary thing, though, that I've been thinking about lately is this whole submarine thing that happened Sunday night. Uh, it's been going on all week. Uh, basically, Ocean Gate, they do this little tourism thing for rich people for like, was it $250,000? You, too, can go about 370 miles off the coast of Canada two miles down in a basically a big drainage ditch of a sub uh, crammed in there with uh, half a dozen other people and look at the rusting hulk that is uh, the Titanic and that's uh, that's what's happened unfortunately the, the Ocean Gate they, they've run this the CEO was in there with uh, a few other people and uh, it crashed to the bottom of the sea or they don't know what happened to it they're still looking for it this happened Sunday night but the, the sad thing is they're saying by Thursday morning and by the way I'm recording this just after midnight Thursday uh, the sub will run out of air so it doesn't look very likely that um, uh, that they'll be seen alive again but I'm, I'm just trying to wrap my brain around that I mean yet when you're rich you want to do things that other people can't do. I get that. Um, but to me, there has to be there has to be a cutoff to how extreme you can go. Because if you are rich, you kind of want to like spread the wealth around your timeline. You know, you, kind of like a, a safe word. Like, hey, you want to go down two miles below the surface of the sea where uh, it's as dark as space without any stars and uh, you you're you can't see you can't you're crammed with other people and the answer is no I, I don't I actually want to be in a big old house somewhere out in the woods that's what I want to do but $250,000 to do this and that's what people did and the guy uh, that runs the company he's in that uh, Stockton Rush uh, some some quotes of his have actually uh, made the rounds of the media uh, for one, he was talking about one of his worst fears. I guess that he said this last year is that if he was down in the sub, uh, you know, touring the remains of the Titanic, and he couldn't get the sub to surface, that is his greatest fear. And my God, it's almost prophetic, um, uh, given the circumstances. And two, he was also uh, quoted as saying that uh, he didn't want to hire fifty-year-old white guys out of the. Uh, Navy or the Marines because they don't he didn't think that they were inspirational you know he wanted to go with younger and I guess a more diverse crowd uh, I don't really care about the uh, the color or the bedroom habits or whatever of my um, sub pilot uh, thinking that I'm going to get on a sub mind you they just have to have the damn experience. I think the experience is more inspiring than uh, youth. Youth doesn't know what the hell it's doing, whereas experience is experience. That's just the thing. And, and besides, kind of going back to this thing, if I had money, I mean, Christ, uh, 
being on a cruise ship with thousands of people, I think, would be claustrophobic. I couldn't imagine being in this little thing at the bottom of the ocean at all. I mean, ugh, it's it's tragic to think about, um, but it's it's also something I would never do. And what's the weird thing about it, too, is like all the memes and jokes going on about this. Like, people are going to die if they haven't died already. And we're joking about this this damn submarine at the bottom of the ocean. And again, we're not going to see these people again. It's just... It, it, it just makes me anxious thinking about it. Alright, so earlier this week, Monday, was Juneteenth. June 19th, which I believe uh, was the celebration of the last remaining slaves in the former Confederacy... To learn that they were free. And I think this was in Galveston, Texas. Back uh, just two months after the Civil War in 1865. Two years after the uh, Emancipation Proclamation was made by Lincoln. So, I mean, I, you know, like I said before. I don't mind celebrating freedom at all. It's it's usually when government steps in and goes. You know, we, you couldn't do it without us. And it's just like, no, you guys go away. But, you know, there's there's certain things about Juneteenth like you have to be a little a little smart about this crap you really do don't try to be funny don't try uh, <laughs> don't try to be uh, the empathetic uh, person with white liberal guilt uh, and I think that's what happened in Kansas City at a Toyota plant some of the black employees are upset because Monday, Juneteenth, they go into the break room and there's watermelon sliced and ready to be served. Watermelon, that's it. It's just raw watermelon and there's kind of the connotation of uh, you know, the stereotype, right? And they're upset and it's kind of a big thing out there in Kansas City. But what did I say before? Like two, yeah, about a podcast or two back. I said, nobody hates pizza. You can't go wrong with pizza. Just, if you're uncertain about whatever celebration you're doing and involves, you know, ethnicity of any sorts, pizza, you can't go wrong with pizza. Okay, if it's Columbus Day and it's a room for full of Italians, go with pizza. They might bitch about where you got the pizza from, but nobody, nobody hates pizza. Don't, don't do anything stupid. Just go with pizza. That's all I'm saying. And another thing about June <laughs> is that it's uh, it's Pride Month uh, for the gay community, and uh, yeah, I got a few stories here uh, uh, relating to it, and I've kind of held off about about it because you know I, I don't want it to be you know I don't know I don't want to get into this thing where I th people think I'm bashing the gay community because I don't want to do that, but uh, there's a lot of politics involved that I'm not a big fan of. Uh, but the, the first story I wanted to come off with here is uh, the front man for Greta Van Fleet uh, just revealed himself to be gay. He's been in, in a, a same-sex relationship, as the media calls it. You know, he's been seeing a dude for eight years. Okay, and I've said this before. If you're over the age of 18 and, you know, you, whoever you're interested is in over the age of 18, I really don't care what you do in your private life. I don't. It's not a big deal to me. Um, but uh, he made this announcement about it uh, because he's now living in Tennessee and there's been the drag laws. And, uh, of course, he's inserting himself into this thing now. 
and uh, it's been kind of interesting to watch the media grab hold of this because you know there were a few headlines that said okay he came out he came out okay and, and he did um but but some other headlines have made this a little more complicated whereas you and me are like oh he's gay uh they're saying oh, who i forget the publication but if you if you did a, a do a quick google search you can see uh frontman for greta van fleet has come out as a member of the lgbt a b c d e f g like you know all the all the letters that go along with this like they made it a mystery as to you know what he was like oh, did, did he pick new pronouns or whatever uh but you know he's making this a political thing uh i'm not sure how that's going to play into the fortunes of greta van fleet uh, i i can tell you this uh when i first read the story i thought to myself well crap they're going to start ripping off queen now because uh from what i can tell they're not going to stop ripping off led zeppelin either <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see um, how the media critiques the band now and how concert goers treat the band. I mean, you know, rock audiences, I don't know, like people love Rob Halford. People love Freddie Mercury because those guys are great singers. They just happen to be gay. Um, but you go to the concert because they're great singers. You don't necessarily go because you want to see sex on stage, right? Uh, well, I mean, I go I go to concerts for the performance, not necessarily the group orgy. Um, will will that hold up for the guy from Greta Van Fleet? Especially considering a lot of people say to themselves, he sounds a lot like Robert Plant. And now, for the critique part, the critique part, the band has gotten hammered merciless, mercilessly from music critics because they do sound like Led Zeppelin. They don't sound exactly original. Uh, is this going to be walked back in and say, well, this was all tongue-in-cheek, this was camp, I mean, you didn't get it at first, now you will, and will they get the glowing reviews, and if you critique the sound of the band, will you be accused of homophobia? That's the game that a lot of media types like to play, and that's that's just how it's going to be with this band now, that the, uh, the front man has come out. Uh, and I'm sure the fans are going to love them. And anybody that thinks that they've been ripping off Led Zeppelin are like, okay, they, they're still ripping off Led Zeppelin. All right, so Maya Hawk, she uh, she plays a um, character on Stranger Things. And um, her character happens to be a lesbian. And she got a girlfriend at the end of the last season. Very interesting quote here, because I guess she's, I think she's in the new Astro City with... Uh, it's another quirky Wes Anderson movie. I know it's uh, it's a new one there, Wes. Uh, but she was talking about her character on Stranger Things, and she goes, "Look, I'm I'm, I'm glad she's got a girlfriend, but I don't want that to be the focus because uh, her relationship with Steve, because you know she you know her nerdy uh, lesbian uh, character is friends with goofy ex jock character Steve on the show." She says that's what kind of propels her as a character, that, that dynamic. And I said to myself, whoa, 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 whoa. This actress seems to be more concerned about the complexity and relatability of her character than political talking points. Now, she didn't say she didn't want her character to stop. She didn't say she wants her character to stop being gay. She didn't say she didn't want her character to not have a girlfriend. But she's talking about uh, if you play it up too much, will you lose what drew people into liking this character to begin with? And I think she's right. 
it'll be interesting to see how that plays off in uh, entertainment media if it does play off at all um but you know that's that's the whole thing you don't want one-dimensional characters to let harp on one aspect of their identity there has to be other things about them that draw you in and ethan hawk's daughter uma thurman's daughter uh she she kind of knows a thing or three about that because their parents are actors they're they're you know, actors are strange as hell but if you do your job right, uh, you can flush out some pretty interesting characters. But again, that is a to-be-determined there. All right, so the, the last Pride story here I've got, I've avoided this because it's been out for a week, and it's been very interesting to see the back and forth on this uh, ham track. you got Michigan, little hamlet just nestled in there between uh, Detroit and Detroit. It's... Uh, it's <laughs> It's like surrounded by Detroit, but it's its own little town. Uh, it used to be a Polish, um, uh, a, a heavily Polish town. Now it's a little more diverse. And, you know, they it's all about diversity and diversity and diversity. Until you get to the point where you realize you, you can have too much diversity. To the point where you get back to conflicting worldviews. And uh, Hamtrak uh, is got a heavy... Islamic population and they have a uh, city council that's a majority Muslim and they have upset uh, the gay community by banning gay pride gay political flags from public government not public uh, yeah from public spaces government spaces uh, they haven't banned them from private spaces but from government places they have and the gay community feels betrayed by this um i'll tell you who the hardest hit is in this story it's not uh it's not the gay community for having their flags banned from public spaces in hamtrack it's not uh, the the muslim community who's getting hammered by the progressive press as to why they did this it is anybody out there who has that stupid coexist bumper sticker on the back of their car because they don't know what the hell that means. I mean, it's one thing to tolerate other people. That's fine. If you like somebody who's different, that's fine. But we can't all get along on everything. And here you have uh, progressives who said, you know, we, we support Muslims, we support the gay community, not realizing that there are certain aspects of both cultures that kind of butt heads against each other and that being bedroom activity and uh muslims are a bit more socially conservative than a lot of progressives and it comes as a shock to them and it doesn't shock me at all because again this is these are two different worldviews. you can't cram that crap on the back of a bumper sticker unless of course you want to uh <laughs> Unless, of course, you want to get up on that soapbox. Um, but it reminds me, you know, and it's been a bit since I've been at church, but it reminds me of that story of uh, the Tower of Babel, where, you know, humanity was going to build this big-ass tower, look up down upon the world, see everything that God said, and God said, oh, no, just like in The Simpsons. And uh, he made everybody speak a different language, different cultures, and they couldn't get along, and so the tower didn't get built. And, of course, you know, in this perfect utopia... It can't exist because people are going to disagree. And that is a big point here. 
and the amount of people that are shocked. I mean, there are people um, in the progressive side of things that say that they feel betrayed by this. Like, it, we are nice to you guys while you're doing this because that's part of their culture. And, you know, it's the, the flag thing doesn't bother me. Uh, if it gets to the point where it's Iran and people start getting stoned, and I don't think it will, that's when you get concerned. Uh, but, I mean, you could still display the flag, I believe, on private grounds, your home. Nobody's going to do anything about that. Nobody's going to stop anybody from being gay. And nobody's going to stop anybody being Muslim. It's just, here's a perfect example of, you know, two cultures that are championed by people that want to show how open-minded they are, not realizing that those two cultures are going to come to a head on some things. And thankfully, it's just the flag. It's a story that bears watching and seeing how this plays out. All right, uh, let's get back to uh, Elon Musk. Uh, you know, he had RFK Jr. on his show, his podcast, or not Elon Musk, I'm sorry, Joe Rogan. This will involve Elon Musk. Uh, Joe Rogan, I'm looking at all sorts of things on my notes here. Joe Rogan had his, uh, his podcast, uh, and he talked to uh, RFK Jr. recently about uh the vaccines and how he's anti-vax and peter hortez this uh this vaccine expert from baylor uh you know texted him during the after the podcast said oh you're wrong you're wrong and he's challenged him to come onto the show and debate rfk and of course everybody is jumping to the defense of hortez or hotez and uh, you know he was on msnbc uh being protected by msnbc you know getting his point across and he's not going to debate well you can't force a guy to de debate if he, he doesn't want to and if the debate never happens that's fine but um mark cuban uh chimed in saying that uh, you know for uh, elon musk and joe rogan uh to say they're not mainstream is laughable uh because uh they're doing all the things they accuse the mainstream media of doing and that's, you know, goading people in with self-interest. Uh, well, self-interest drives a lot of people, Mark Cuban. That's why you're a freaking billionaire to begin with. You, you kind of like the idea of having money. Uh, self-interest drives a lot of journalists to get into journalism because they feel like they're going to make a change in the world. A lot of times, that change isn't good. Yeah, there's self-interest with Elon Musk. That's probably why he's rich. And Joe Rogan, I mean, that's probably why he does the podcast. Self-interest is basically what motivates a lot of people. I really don't get that. Uh, there are some differences, though, between Elon Musk's Twitter and Joe Rogan's podcast. Um, they actually have audiences, unlike mainstream media. And the reason why Twitter exists as it does now, the reason why a guy like Joe Rogan or Adam Carolla on his podcast have audiences like they do, or anybody that uh, is a 180 from the accepted cultural norms, the conventional wisdom. It's because of the normalized mainstream media. If the media wasn't so slanted, these these venues would not exist. But they do. And yes, yeah, self-interest drives it, but self-interest drives everything. Everything. I'm not sure what the criticism really is. And I, I don't know if I really necessarily agree with Joe Rogan on the vaccine or, you know, I, I'm not going to pull the lever for RFK just because of other things. Uh, but there's a reason why we have the First Amendment. And so these guys can say what they want and you come to your own conclusions and say what you want.
and that kind of gets lost in the ether there. All right, uh, let's see, uh, some more lighthearted stuff here. Uh, the Flash, which is a bomb, will be number one still this weekend, according to experts. It should draw in anywhere from like 16 to $25 million. Garbage numbers, but that just gives you an idea of where the box office is right now. Um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse will make $16 million, they're saying, but this is like, what, week four of it being out? So that's, uh, that's respectable, but uh, Elemental's not going to do well. Uh, the new Jennifer Lawrence comedy, uh, No Hard Feelings, uh, that's projected to make $11 million. Uh, that's, and again, Wes Anderson's um, Astro City, that which basically New York, Los Angeles, maybe Chicago will watch. That's, that's your box office until Indiana Jones bombs at the box office. But God, The Flash is a bomb, and it's going to be number one for the second straight week. It's just, it it's killing me how bad Hollywood really is. Um, by the way, James Mangold directing the new Indiana Jones film, which drops a week from Friday. Uh, it's, it's depressing where he's gone, uh, because, I mean, he's done things like 310 to Yuma, Logan, um, which is a great send-off for Wolverine. Uh, he, Ford versus Ferrari, which is one of my favorite movies in recent years. Just tremendous movie. You know, you could take a movie like Ford versus Ferrari, that James Mangold directed, and pinpoint all the things he did right in that movie. I haven't even seen, and I probably won't see, the new Indiana Jones 5 movie, Dial Destiny. Um, you could probably take that movie and pinpoint all the things you don't do as a director. Um, but one of the things that um, has really endeared James Mangold to fans out there is the fact that hey, he's pretty much shit talk. A lot of them, you know, talk down to them on Twitter, saying they're wrong, they're wrong, they're wrong, they're wrong. Um, and I've got this linked up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. Uh, it, it stems, um, I think it goes back a year, sometime last year, where John Williams was talking about in an interview, like he had to rescore some scenes because they did reshoots. And there's been rumors about how this thing ends. And I'm going to keep this vague and mysterious unless you want this to be spoiled you go look at the article on mike davidson at the, the facebook page but uh james mangold went on twitter and actually blocked people from his twitter account and called them liars and everything saying we have not reshot anything uh all this is bogus all this is bogus well it turns out uh hitting the 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 hollywood circuit the talk show circuit uh the interview circuit the hype circuit uh, Harrison Ford uh, has said something to the effect that, uh, yeah, we had to go back and rework some stuff uh, for these emotional scenes, blah, blah, blah. And that has pretty much contradicted everything that James Mangold said. And in fact, uh, with the story that I posted on the Mike Davidson Facebook page, somebody says, yeah, he's, the director throws the composer, a legendary composer, I might add, under the bus uh, to save his own ass. And this movie is already projected to, uh, to, it's somewhat hinted at that it's going to be a $300 million budget. It, it took $300 million to finish this, not including uh, the promotional budget. So this movie's in hot water, and the director has done nothing, nothing to quell any anxiety out there or make anybody want to get out and watch it. And it's going to be a long time for him to recover unless he goes back and does some art film, something smaller after this, because I can't see anybody wanting him to uh, 
take the reins of anything but then again uh, he's doing this for Lucasfilm who knows how stupid uh, they are right now over there uh, one guy that keeps things intriguing is Christopher Nolan and next month Oppenheimer drops in theaters and um, I am excited to see this a um, couple quick hits on this uh, the guy that did the biography for Robert Oppenheimer one of the guys that co-wrote it that uh, this book is loose or this movie's the book that this movie is loosely based on, uh, he says he saw it and he was just in awe of it. Uh, he was very emotional about it. And Christopher Nolan says that some test audiences have left the uh, the movie shook, almost uh, scared. And you're talking about the guy that uh, helped create the atomic bomb, so I can kind of see that. Yes, a lot of this is film hype, but it seems to be a lot better in terms of getting people interested in the movie than say having Stephen King randomly say oh yeah I like this movie yeah go I, I don't watch superhero movies but go watch The Flash it's great yeah so there's that and uh, finally I, I don't know who this bastard is but yeah I guess uh, earlier this week some dude out in Malibu California <laughs> Uh, peed and crapped in the neighbor's yard of uh, the neighbor of Pierce Brosnan's and then uh, went into his outdoor shower because I guess it's beachfront property um, and uh, showered outside of Pierce Brosnan's house uh, just before he got tackled by cops on the beach. I thought when I first read this story somebody crapped in his yard and I'm thinking well if he crapped in James Bond's yard he should be able to shoot you. Then. No questions asked. I mean if you're going to I tell you what, if you're going to crap in a Bond's yard, do Daniel Craig's, because after Casino Royale, man, his, his tenure as James Bond, woof. And with that all said and done, I am done. Till next time, stay fresh. Just You've been time. listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at Facebook.com backslash M. Davidson Live. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live.